Welcome to the Royals Investment Fund Podcast, where we meet with professionals in the business and investing world. Like you, we want to gain insight and advice from seasoned individuals regarding their careers, investment choices, and other life recommendations. Through this podcast, we interview a variety of business leaders and experts, learning about both their achievements as well as their failures and why they were able to be so successful. This podcast is designed to help you. You are someone with a curiosity in business who wants to learn more and find out what intrigues you most within the business world. I invite you to join us while we explore a multitude of industries and talk with people who have already experienced this journey. I'm your host, Tony Harris. Now let's begin our journey. Today, I had the privilege to sit down and converse with someone who has taught me much about product development and entrepreneurship. John Haugen is a renowned marketer, innovator, and leader. John received a bachelor's degree in math and economics from St. Olaf College in Minnesota. He then went on to pursue a master's degree in business marketing at UCLA Anderson School of Management. John has made a career for himself at General Mills, where he has worked for over 30 years in marketing and business strategy. John is the founder and managing director of 301 Inc., a venture capital branch of General Mills. At 301 Inc., John and his team screen for startup food companies to invest in and elevate with resources backed by General Mills. I'm excited to introduce John Haugen to talk more about what he does in his role at 301 Inc. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I really appreciate it. Great, Tony. Good to talk to you. So uh, you, you manage a section of General Mills called 301 Inc. Can you tell me about a little bit about your involvement in this and kind of uh, how you brought this concept to life? Yes. So 301 Inc. is the way to think about it would be we're kind of like a, if you're familiar with the concept of a venture capital team, uh, but what's unique about us is that we're kind of embedded within General Mills. And so uh, what we typically do is, is we're always scouring the marketplace for great new emerging food ideas. Uh, and then um, what we do is we invest, uh, you know, minority stake investments in those brands, just like a VC firm would do. Uh, but what I think sets us apart and makes us a little bit unique is that we can augment that investment capital with direct access to the deep bench of resources and capabilities at General Mills. So a lot of the investors in the marketplace, um, they're really good at making investments um, and they're really good at um, like thinking about the financial modeling behind that. Um, but when you think about how lonely it is to be an entrepreneur, when you know it's it's that that person is is it's really they're nurturing their idea. They're working so hard to to make sure that they get attention from the consumer. Um, and frankly, it's pretty lonely if you ever actually talk to people who are who are running startups. Um, and so the ability to have that direct linkage to the resources that can help them solve problems in real time, we found out has been a big uh, a big benefit for our partners. And with your partners, uh, and you know, you call yourself an emerging brand elevator, which elevates great ideas. What exactly does that look like in terms of an investment? And what is the what is the end goal along with that? Yes. So, um, you know, I like uh, I really like the word elevator, um, and because I, I always like words that can be nouns 
or action verbs. You know, and when you think about um, part of the reason why we called it the Emerging Brand Elevator is um, really part of it actually goes back to our, our, our heritage of General Mills. You know, when you think about the, the grain elevator and, you know, on the banks of the Mississippi River um, and it was a flour mill. And when you think about mills and grain elevators and things like that, so, um, so it's a physical place where, um, where food innovation happens. That's where it started to happen. And so, um, and so it's a physical place. Um, but, um, you know, when we think about, like we all have that friend, right? Where, you know, whenever it's like, okay, whenever we get together with that person, like things happen, energy comes. And, um, you know, they always sort of lift, the, lift the, the mood in the room. And so that's what I love about Elevator. And when I think about Elevate, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to work with these early stage brands and companies and help them elevate. And elevate, you know, that, that can mean help them grow their business. That can mean um, help them innovate and be able to move more quickly in the marketplace. Sometimes it help, we help them sort of refine and um, kind of capture the spirit of their brand. Um, so um, I love elevate. It's a, it's, a, it's a really optimistic word. It's a positive word. And it, it shows, I think, forward momentum. And so that really, I think, underscores, you know, what we are trying to do with, with the brands in, in our portfolio. And that's, that's why we get to work with these great brands every day. So, so speaking of these brands and kind of when you're, you're lifting them up, obviously it can be kind of a, a big risk, but what are the most attractive aspects of these startup companies that you invest in that kind of, you know, help you look past the risk or kind of think about how you can mitigate it and continue to build them up? Yeah, it's a great question, right? So, I mean, I think, Tony, the probably first thing we should do is we should just step back and, and just fill in a few more blanks in terms of exactly how we got here. Because, um, you know, I, I think you're right. Like, you know, on one level, um, how could anybody in their right mind actually come up with a crazy idea of starting a food company? I mean, it's crazy, right? Um, but you could probably say that about, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, not just in the food space. Uh, but one of, the, one of the things that I think helped informed us is that um, when we started 301 eight years ago, we actually um, tried to do this ourselves. So we looked at the trends in the marketplace. We looked at what was happening and we said, hey, come on, we can do this. And so we actually created from scratch and launched with new brands, eight or nine different businesses. And, um, and it was really only after I did that um, that I realized how difficult it actually is um, when you think about launching a new business, generating you know, consumer interest, awareness, and trial, and building scale, and doing all those things. Um, but the thing we really um, learned, because um, you, know, you would think you know, a company like General Mills, with the resources that we have, we should have every advantage going into the marketplace to be able to help you know, build these businesses quickly. And what we learned was that um, it, it takes longer than you think um, to be able to do it. Um, but you know, frankly, what we were really missing was that sort of authentic passion and energy, um, at times stubbornness that these early stage entrepreneurs have, you know, and it's, I'm not gonna, I'm never gonna say, I'm never gonna bet against General Mills. Um, I've been there for a long time and it's, it's, a, it's a great company, but I will say that, you know, historically speaking, you know, a lot of the, you know, when you think about um, 
betting on the, 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 the population of entrepreneurs versus having these ideas come from big company. More often than not, these ideas come from small companies and entrepreneurs. And so then what we need to do is we just have to say, okay, how can we um, really champion what these early stage entrepreneurs are bringing to the table? And so we always say it's three things that really set this apart um, when we really get down to it. And, you know, the first thing that I always look for is the product or kind of product experience that sort of redefines or transcends anything that, you know, anybody else has seen, like what's the wow factor of the stuff or the experience? You know, I always, I always say, you know, how many, how many times um, have you walked in and had dinner? Well, now, of course, we're not having dinner in any restaurant right now, but, but if you did and you went to a, a really average restaurant, really average, um, how eager would you be to call your best friend and say, hey, you gotta go try this out? Probably not very much. Well, you know, that's the same thing that we look for and the stickiness that we look for with early stage businesses. Does it have the, does it have the, the ability to have that buzz factor? You know, I mean, we all get, you know, two, 3,000 calories a day, we probably eat more calories than we should, right? But we all get a finite amount of calories a day. And so if you're gonna try a new product, that probably means you're going to, if you like it, that probably means it's gonna take the place of something else. So it's really, really competitive for battling for that share of stomach. So it's gotta be a while. And then the second thing is, you know, you gotta, you gotta have a brand that, you know, and today, you know, people are thinking about authenticity. Um, they, they wanna know kind of the story behind the brand. Um, you know, are they focused on um, the, 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 the higher purposes that, that are important to me? Um, you know, and there's people have, you know, questions about the environment, sustainability. They want to know where the ingredient came from. Um, they may want to know if it is uh, non-GMO or organic or things like that. So, and people will look to see, you know, what that brand stands for. Um, and then lastly, you know, it, it all goes back to the person and it all goes back to the team. You know, if I'm going to invest dollars behind a business, um, it's important that you, that you support the business, but you have to really enjoy the team and have a high level of trust with the team to, to be able to know that it can be an effective partnership. Absolutely. And when you're thinking in terms of dollars and, and kind of gauging these businesses that you're investing into, how are you building a financial model around these businesses? Yeah, I think um, another great question, right? Because, um, you know, a lot of these businesses are really early stage and they've certainly figured some things out, but frankly, there's a lot that they have to figure out. And so um, I will say it's, it, it's a bit of a blend of art and science that when you think about it, um, you know, and so I just give you maybe a couple of sort of general buckets that I'd look at is, you know, certainly um, revenue growth. And, um, you know, when you think about the size of the, of, of the total addressable market or TAM that people would say, you know, what's, what's the size of the TAM and, and like, where do we think this brand could play? Uh, where do we really think this product competes? And so, um, you know, if, if, if you think you can dominate, you know, in the, in the world of food, if you think you could dominate a category, but the category is, is, is so esoteric that it's only, you know, a, a $10 million category, well, it's probably pretty hard to believe that you're gonna have a $100 million idea, right? And so you have to size the, the, the growth of the business, but also think about kind of the, 
where it can sit in the marketplace. Um, and sometimes you have to think in some of these emerging spaces, you know, the, 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 the consumer sort of decision set isn't fully fleshed out, right? And so you, you got to think about how do I want to define that broad problem and that broad solution in terms of what it can be? Um, you know, and then I think secondly is, is it's one thing to, to build a business that, you know, can grow, but, you know, growing the bottom line is as important as growing the top line, right? So if you have, um, if, if, you're, if you're spending all your money um, on making the product and trying to tell people about the product, and at the end of the day, you can't make money long-term, then you're not going to have a very successful business that, you know, you can bring in additional talent. And so you have to think about that, but, you know, it, it, sometimes you have to think about that in phases, you know, because early stage businesses, you know, oftentimes are not operating with high levels of automation. You know, sometimes if you think about an early stage food business, you know, there could be somebody making product out of their own kitchen or a small uh, commercial kitchen or, you know, and if, and if you're, if you're, if you're kind of making batch by batch, that's going to be a lot less efficient and ultimately a lot less profitable than, you know, okay, well now we actually have a business that is starting to operate on scale. And so, you know, I always look at it is, um, if, if we're easy, everybody would be doing it, right? And, and, if, and, and, uh, and, and I have, just like everybody else, I have great 2020 vision on investments, you know, five years after the fact, right? That's, that's, the, that's the issue, right? We all, should have bought, we all should have bought Peloton stock at the beginning of the, pellet of, the, uh, of the pandemic. Well, that's easy to know right now, but, you know, why didn't I think about that before? And so, um, you know, when you're investing in these brands, you have to try to do your best to, to see over the next hill, to understand kind of where things are. And, and uh, but that's what makes it, makes it exciting, right? And it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's part of the, you know, where do we think the market can go? What do we think this business can do? What do we think this team is capable of? Um, and then, you know, what are ways that we can, can help them to get there? Exactly. And, you know, you, you spoke a lot about the market. What, what role do you think the, the broad market, like the stock market plays into your operations? I mean, do you think there are times that are better to invest than others? Or are you pretty set on, you know, looking at a business, evaluating it, and timing doesn't necessarily matter as much? Well, I, I mean, uh, timing is everything in a lot of things, right? Um, you know, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of, I think, different ways I could take that answer. The, the one thing I will say, um, which um, makes what I do, I think, interesting, is um, food is always relevant. Um, and it's always going to be relevant because, you know, we're eating differently. Um, we're, sourcing our, we're sourcing our food differently, but we, we all have to eat. And everybody, everybody is an expert, you know. So I think from a, from a, a, a timing perspective, I think what's interesting is to make sure that we're taking into consideration what's happening in real time. And then sometimes the, uh, the interpretation of that um, is, is, how, is, is what you need to think about. So, you know, for instance, um, when you look back a year or two years ago, um, it was really when a, a lot of products um, supporting keto diets, for instance, were kind of starting to hit the marketplace. 
And so then you ask yourself, okay, is, is, is keto going to be the enduring trend? And is that, is that where, is, is everything going to go keto from now, from, from now on? And then, and then I, I think more appropriately, I think just like with any of the fad diets, there's aspects of that that are going to come and go. But if you ask me, you know, just in general, um, are people looking for higher protein in their diet? And are they looking to avoid sugar? I would say, yes, I would think that's an enduring trend. And so looking at thinking about fad versus trend, um, and then, and all of that's happened, like we know people are looking for um, more plant-based solutions, whether it's plant-based dairy, whether it's plant-based meat, we've made a lot of investments in those spaces. Um, that will continue to, uh, to, to, I think, grow over time. And then you have other things like, you know, I don't think, you know, when we were sitting, if we'd have done this interview a year ago, you know, nobody was talking about a pandemic. Um, and I mean, who knew that one of the fastest growing products at General Mills would be gold metal flour right now. Um, and the reason is, is that everybody is back, you know, back home trying to figure out ways to cook and, and, and live, live at home. So, um, and then you think about the rapid rise of e-commerce. Yeah, which of course e-commerce outside of food was a big deal, but food had always lagged. But boy, if you look at where we are now, so I say that because when you think about um, the, the, I think there's always going to be the time's always right to make good investments, right? But you have to understand kind of what is happening in the marketplace, um, and that's always going to impact um, um, how you think about that and how you approach that. Um, and there's certain certain. Uh, categories, food being one of them that I think is always going to be relevant for, um, you know, for, for where we are in society, because, you know, everybody, everybody's got to eat. And so it's, uh, you know, the, it's going to impact the way we do it, but it, uh, nonetheless, there, you could, there will be good ideas that come out of that. Absolutely. And when you're thinking in terms of looking at a company, you know, with a five or 10 year vision, what is ultimately 301 Inc's end goal that they, that you have in mind? Yes. So, um, as I said before, you know, our, our first uh, move about eight years ago was that we really tried to think about what we did as uh, a way to drive innovation within General Mills and growth. And so I say that because it's important to understand that as kind of the North Star. So once we got into it and we realized that we really were in a generational transition uh, of consumer food tastes and preferences and food values. And there was just so much energy and money flowing in to fund the development and, and expansion of these early stage food brands. Um, and then, you know, if we'd had this conversation 20 years ago, it was really before, you know, the, the advent of e-commerce, you know, it was really hard when you think about out to market is a really, really critical question for emerging brands, any, any company. And a lot of times it was really difficult because back in the day, you know, if you couldn't sell your, your product to any one of these major retailers, it was hard just to get listings and to get distribution on the shelf. Well, now there's just so many other ways for brands to come to market. And so um, that was, um, I think, initially kind of how we went at it. Um, but then um, we realized um, from there, um, we had an opportunity to really um, jump forward instead of trying to really um, build these products in-house and take time to do that. A lot of times the, the ideas that we're seeing were already two or three years advanced because they were in the marketplace. And so 
that gave us the opportunity to think about growth differently. And so, you know, we have really, we have a financial objective with our investments, which is, you know, we're, we're a financial investor just like everybody else. So we want to get a good return on our dollars. Um, but secondly, um, we see it as, a, as, a, as an, a complementary strategy to other innovation efforts that we have in General Mills. And so just like we'd like to have our best and brightest innovation minds at General Mills thinking about how we could grow, uh, uh, grow the company in the future, boy, it's, what a great idea to tap into the, some of the brightest and smartest minds in the industry and help them to grow their business and then potentially down the road be able to position ourselves to actually acquire some of those businesses. That's so fascinating. And when you're doing that with these with these businesses, have you I mean, have you ever had any form of failure, you know, investing into these startups and if so, what have you learned from these experiences? Um, well, kind of a loaded question, right? So, um, I mean, I think the the and the reason that I smile when you say it is I think you have to define what failure really is, you know? So um, we've had um, businesses that have not grown the way we thought they were going to grow. Um, you know, we had a, we had a business in a small, I'll give you an example, a small drinkable soup business um, called Tio. And if you ever tried the product, it was a fantastic product. Um, it's, uh, it's just a business that, uh, it, it was small when we invested it and it was still small when we divested it. Um, and so from a financial return perspective, I would say that that was not a successful investment financially for us. Now, at the same time, because of the way we did it, you know, the, the other thing that we could have done is we could have commissioned a significant team at General Mills. We could have invested millions of dollars and months and months of development time in looking at this idea and developing a prototype and launching it ourselves. And it would have been a, a significantly longer and in terms of duration as well as uh, resource intensity. And so that failure of that investment in terms of you know, generating a really, really strong growth and return, you have, to, you have to think about that in terms of what we learned about that particular space. Um, and how it may have um, been a good offset to something that we may have done uh, ourselves, which would have been much more, much more costly and time consuming. And so um, in some ways, you know, what we are doing, you know, we've actually modeled failure into our process. Um, because, I mean, if I go, if I go 10 for 10, um, I mean, first of all, I'd be like in the investment hall of fame, right? Um, but if I go 10 for 10, I think you might wonder, you know, am I pushing hard enough? Am I being, you know, um, as provocative as I need to, to help General Mills um, define the food trends of the future? You know, I mean, you might, be hitting a, you, you, you might be hitting a lot of singles, but you might be missing triples and home runs. And so I think any approach should be balanced. And, um, and then I think, you know, characterizing what failure actually is. I think failure is, is um, you know, certainly is lack of success, but lack of success and not learning anything, you know? And I think if you, and then also you're looking at it, I think pretty narrowly in terms of like, okay, well, that investment didn't work, so it was a failure. I'm not so sure because there's, a, there's some things that we learned. I like that. I like that thinking about uh, 
you know, redefining failure as in you're not taking anything away. That's, that's something yeah. I haven't thought yeah, about. Yeah, like as that. you know, and I, I get I get the opportunity to talk to classes, and this isn't this isn't uh, this isn't my acronym, but it's it, it's always stuck with me. Somebody told me um, if you think about fail as a first attempt in learning, is completely you know makes you re- really rethink. And that's not mine. I can't I, I can't take credit for that one, but that's always helpful. Absolutely, and you know you you're mentioning students here and um, thinking about students trying to get involved in the venture, venture capital world, what recommendations do you have for those students who are looking to kind of dive into that career path? Yeah, well, so, um, you know, I, I think, first of all, really understand kind of what your motivation is. Um, you know, I, I've been at General Mills for 30 years. Um, I kind of come to this, you know, frankly, pretty late in my career. Um, but, you know, and the way I came into it was I really, um, I mean, first of all, I had, you know, 15 plus years of uh, marketing and general management and sort of like understanding how to run businesses. And then I had a number of years uh, specifically in strategy. I studied a lot of kind of health and wellness, nutrition things. And then again, my final sort of chapter before venture capital was I'm kind of a failed internal entrepreneur myself. Um, and so I say that because like, I don't, you know, for, for me, I didn't like get, come out of college, you know, and think, okay, I need to, I want to do venture capital. Um, I, what I, what I, I think, you know, really find out, um, what excites you, um, find out where you believe your gifts are. You know, a lot of people that are in venture capital have, uh, finance backgrounds. So that's one way to think about it is like, okay, I want to work in the world of finance, and um, and I want to be um, I want to be a part of of um, helping to finance and develop companies. I mean that would be that'd probably be the natural way in. Um, a lot of people come in just with other with a, a different type of functional expertise. You know, one of my colleagues, you know, that really helped me start on this. You know, was somebody who had you know twenty plus years of uh, manufacturing and supply chain experience. And so, in addition to helping to fund these businesses, um, he could really help them work through manufacturing strategies and supply chain problems that they had to work through. And so um, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, think through what it is that, that you really can, you know, bring to the table. Um, and, you know, it might be, I think the, the thing I always, when I, when I have a chance to talk to, to students, whether it be college students, high school students, even, even business school students is, you know, you have to think sometimes, you know, two or three moves down the road and that, you know, it may not be something that you're able to kind of step from one, one uh, spot to another stop. There may be a couple other spots along the way. And so just think about that. Um, and because uh, otherwise it can be kind of daunting to think, okay, how am I going to get all the way over there? Yes, absolutely. It can be very daunting, especially speaking from someone who is just starting out their career. So um, last question, if you were to go back to when you were you know, 20 years old in college, uh, getting ready for the real world, what piece of advice would you give yourself or wish that someone had told you? I got to hit me with a stumper to end our conversation, huh? Um, you know, what would I ask a younger me? Um, you know, I think that the one things that, that I guess 
um, has stuck with me. Um, and so I went to a liberal arts college myself um, and um, I had a great experience. Um, and the, one of the things that I believe that today, you know, guys like you and other people that have had a chance to, to get to know um, are, are just doing better is that, you know, it really um, just not have hard lines between what's happening academically on campus and the world around you. And um, everybody is so accessible today. I mean, obviously we're accessible right now because we're sitting in our, in our basements, but, um, but everybody is so accessible on LinkedIn. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I mean, there's nothing to take away from a, from a great college experience, believe me. But I also think that really supplementing that with um, what you can do to reach out to the external world. And, you know, you don't really have to wait to do that. You know, and, and, I, and I think that there's enough people out there that really sincerely are, are interested in paying it forward. Um, I remember when I got out of college, I literally um, you know, went to work in commercial banking. And I would say, you know, I, and, I, and I, I, didn't, I, I didn't have a chance to really, or I didn't take the time. So I've got to put it on myself. It starts, always starts with me. Is I didn't take the time to really understand what the possibilities were. And I uh, went into commercial banking, you know, I was joking, I said, you know, I didn't know the difference between a commercial bank and investment bank and a piggy bank. Uh, but that was on me because I didn't take the time to actually learn kind of outside of the classroom. Um, but, you know, I really challenge people to do that. Um, and, you know, just about anybody it has, you know, 20 or 30 minutes um, or some type of a Zoom call, phone call, anything. And I just, there's just so many things that you can learn about what the possibilities are. And so, you know, I would have been even more interested in terms of, you know, really um, pushing and learning kind of beyond what was kind of like put in front of me. And, um, you know, and I, and I think that was, that's always been true. Um, that, you know, you're not going to, you can't wait for the placement office to call and say, hey, by the way, we have a job for you. Um, and that was always true. It's especially true right now in a, you know, given, you know, some of the challenge, the challenges with COVID. And so, um, you know, the job market wasn't great when I graduated. Um, it's probably in many ways, even more challenging now. Um, and so um, I acknowledge that. Um, so, I mean, if, if anything, you know, if this can be an encouragement for somebody, um, just to, um, just push that note on LinkedIn to somebody, um, just to, to help network. Cause it, that, it, that, that's, what's going to, I think, be the breakthrough is to, is, and, and so what can you do to position yourself for success? Exactly. We can, we can control our own success to some extent. I love to it. To some degree. Yeah. I think that's right. And, you know, and, um, I mean, I think if you do it the right way and, I, mean, I still remember, um, I mean, there, there's a very, very short list of people in my career that um, frankly, had they, not, had they not picked up the phone or had they not given me the time, you know, I, I never would have gotten that first job. I never would have gotten um, into business school. I never, and I never would have come to generals. And it really came, it came down to people. And I, I think it always will. That's so cool. Well, John, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate all the time that you gave me. And obviously those answers are fantastic. And I'm looking forward to publish this podcast. That's great. And I certainly wish you and your royal colleagues all the very, very best as you move forward. 
Now you were able to learn a little bit about John Haugen's career path and what he does at 301 Inc. I hope you found this podcast interesting. To learn more about the Royals Investment Fund and what we do, you can go to our website at www.bethelroyalsfund.com. Follow us also on LinkedIn and Instagram. I'm your host, Tony Harris, and I'll see you next time.